And we're back, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Southern Scout Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here Monday, October 12th, 2020, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like proper Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a new house, same host, a beautiful day here. Well, not really. It's actually a terrible day. Uh, it's raining. We're getting a brunt of a, uh, of a hurricane coming up through Louisiana or something. But beautiful day in my mind because I'm in my new house and it's awesome and yay. But still same shit because I'm in the kitchen doing the podcast. Soon I'll have the office set up and then soon there'll be less of an echo. There'll also be less of everything and uh, I'll put up those things on the walls to muffle sound. I'll have a desk. I'll make videos. It'll be a whole thing. It'll be a whole production. I'll have a whole room to work with. But for right now... Kitchen mic it is, which is okay, which is okay, everyone. Um, it's been this way. So sunscrapnation.com for everything. I hope you guys had a great weekend. Fights were good, good fights, good fights, fast fights, so it doesn't really give me promise for this weekend, but I'll break down those fights on Wednesday. And then as far as today, I'll just be going over the KO heard around the world, uh, the fights in general. I'll overview the card coming up next weekend. We got a banger of a main fight. We got Korean zombie, Brian Ortega. Brian Ortega coming back from one of the longest layoffs. You have Cyril gone. You got the return of Thomas Almeida. It's, it, there's some, there's things to look forward to, even though it may not seem like the most packed card, which is fine, but they're trying to make their best. They're trying to get their card to de- cards to deliver. And they're inserting certain characters that make these cards exciting. Like next fight, we got John Phillips. Exciting to watch. May may be a may lose some fights. I mean, he fought Chimaev his last fight, and wasn't a great outing for him. But it did put on a perform perform uh, his type of style. You know, gets people to put on a wonderful performance, win or lose for him, right? Because he's aggressive, and everyone loves that. But we'll talk about the fights this past weekend, and we'll get into some of the news coming from this past weekend. Other than that, why don't we just get right into it, because I'm trying to see. So before, the, before we had these fights even, before these fights have even started, we had a potential fight or a KO of the year with Mahmed. Kalidov. And this guy's like 38 years old or something. He goes in, 40 years old, goes into KSW's 55 main event, does a jumping switch kick, right? He's chasing He's chasing Scott, and Scott's not giving him an inch. He's doing a very good job of circling away, but he starts circling towards the power side, allowing <clears throat> Mehmed to close the distance by jumping and doing a s- jumping switch kick. Right, that allows you to close the distance. If if you're barely touching him with your cross, a jumping switch kick, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch him with my toes. And with a kick, you really just need to touch him with your toes. So it was a fantastic KO. When I have the video, I'll have it being played right here and I'll be able to break it down a lot more. But it was a fantastic KO. And going into this weekend, we're like, oh sweet, awesome. 
that I thought that was going to be it. Mm, okay, just making sure there's no other news. But before we get into the other ones, we got other people to talk about as far as performances. Chris Dawkins flattens Rodrigo Nascimento in 45 seconds. I mean, what a performance by Chris Dawkins. He's 220 going in there with the hand speed of a middleweight almost. The way that Kelvin Gaslam just is able to put combos together on the bigger middleweights is just he's a little bit slower. He's a little bit smaller in size, but allows him to piece together a couple more combinations. And man, that performance was nasty. Um, I'm actually gonna. I like that. I actually liked. Uh, if they have the combination, they might not have. They might not put it up. Um, all right, so that gets that, gets that. And then Tom Breeze coming back, going up to middleweight, was a welterweight, um, and just threw a jab, puts, puts his opponent down. His, his opponent's a long, tall, kung fu, quote-unquote, fighter. There wasn't a lot of tape on him. He moved like he was a... Like, he was a little unorthodox, right? Switching stances, hands down, MVP kind of style, but without the skill and experience behind MVP. And Tom Breeze just stuck behind the jab. When you go against someone as unorthodox, the fundamentals to the point where I'm just going to beat him with my jab. Because I don't know what else there's he's going to bring to this table. It could be a jumping switch kick like we saw from Mamed. Well, who knows? But... Oh, here it is. Um, so, yeah, the I mean, Chris Dawkins' ground and pound was nasty. He passes the legs. I like Shades of Dominic Reyes, Chris Weidman. And then he allows Nasimento to go back to the feet. And as he's getting back to the feet, Nasimento's busy just trying to stand up. And as Nasimento's standing up, all Chris Dawkins is doing is just punching him. And as Nasimento squares up with him, two-piece combo. And then you go on to the Tom Breeze puts KB Buller down with a devastating jab. I mean, he was stinging him with his jab all night, and then that just one jab. You can have your hands down for MMA, but you also have to manage distance better. He just closed distance with that jab. I mean, to be fair, it was very quick, and it was a very powerful jab. But assume, like, if, you're cl- if you're allowing him to close distance that fast with a jab, then your hands have to be up. Then you got to bring your hands up. Then you got to start then you got to start playing that shell game and somehow you know, move with your hands up rather than cuz your ra- your reactions, right? I know I'm not as fast as certain people. If I'm not as fast as certain people with their in and out movement, you got to keep your hands up. Gotsta. Gotsta. If you want to play that game, someone's going to be better than you at it. So then we move on to the KO heard around the world. Actually, before we get into that, uh, shout out to Giga Casey. I'm watching the fight right now. I didn't get a chance to. I didn't get a chance to to watch it because I was picking up dinner, but I got to watch it after. And man, what did I say? What the fuck did I say? You go. You go on these white sites, and I understand this guy's from Sanford MMA. He's got some experience. 
his experience is uh, Omar Morales. He's ten and one in MMA. G- Giga Chikese also not that. I mean, eleven and two and just a little bit more experienced. But as far as kickboxing, Omar Morales being a high credential, you know, kickboxer in MMA terms, no way, dude. Compared to Giga, you ain't shit. Giga just put on a, a clinic. He essentially just did an Israel Adesanya performance. He allowed Omar to be the pressure forward fighter, giving him the confidence that he thought he had. Oh, I'm pressuring the kickboxer. Here we go. But all Giga did was just set up the buzzsaw to come, lit calf kicks, um, straight rights, switching stances, using the feints, the stomping on the ground. These are things that you just don't see against any of your training partners at Sanford. Obviously, there's some very good guys like Tyron Spong and all those high-level kickboxers, Henry Hoof being the coach. But Giga's like high-level not that long ago. He's throwing shit, and he's doing shit as far as fainting and, you know, movements that current glory fighters are doing. So unless you are, and I'm assuming there's some glory guys down at Sanford. I think there are. But they're just looks that Giga can give you that you're just not. The body shots, I mean, it was just a classic masterpiece of technical kickboxing. Technical kickboxing. I don't know why I put so much emphasis on the But technical kickboxing that you see now. I mean, you saw a little bit of shades of Anderson when he was just generally better as a striker. He let the opposing person take the middle. If you are comfortable enough with your counter striking and you know that your counter striking is going to be too much for the person that you're fighting, go ahead. Let them get that energy out. Let them come forward. Let them, you know, try to knock you out. And then skirt off to the side. Just a awesome performance. Shout out to Tony Kelly for almost ripping the arm off of Ali Al-Kazi. I mean, I don't know how much deeper an armbar can get and tighter. He gets the win. Unbelievable how he survived that, but shuts up. Okay, so knockout heard around the world. Joaquin Buckley versus Impa Kasaganai. Um, shout out to Impa. He's Charlotte native. You know, support through and through. Regardless, I, I mean, there's not much to say about this. You probably just don't have people in, in training. I know around here, especially that are throwing shit like that. And then you have to shout out to Joaquin Buckley. I mean, <laughs> honestly, there's nothing more to it. There's nothing. It doesn't say anything about Impa's. Uh, and, and he's he's trying to say he's like, I'm going to get better and do better. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, everyone wants to be a better fighter. But in that kind of moment, it's more of just the. It's less of what Impa did wrong and more of the praise of Joaquin just pulling the trigger. Because there's a lot of times people have been in positions like that where you get your foot elevated and you're more worried about just the defense of it. Joaquin really, in his mind, uh, what did he call it? 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 Um, Wakanda style. 
he just embraced the Wakanda style, and instead of trying to like get his foot away or whatever, he saw that Impo made the read that Impo was parrying the kicks and maybe holding on to a kick a little bit too long. In that moment, boom, down. I mean, jumping, spinning back kick. It's it almost reminds me of a two touch kick, two touch spinning back kick where. Um, I think Raymond Daniels did it in Glory, where you like kick off the hip and kick him in the face. To me, that's that's more KO of all time. Uh, there's a question of like, is this the best knockout of all time? Probably not, because you'd have to go look at Muay Thai fights and kickboxing matches and all these other things where crazier shit have happened. And then you'd have to go look at the craziness that's going on in other parts of the world. But as far as UFC knockouts, possibly. Possibly the greatest knockout of all time. Um, I mean, shout out to Impa. You're going to have to have a hard, you're going to have to have a hard skin for this because there's going to just be memes made. There's going to be edits made. You're, I mean, he, he seems to be taking it well. Um, he's just He released nice statements, gave props to where props was. At. I mean, it was a beautiful fight, too. He was doing well. I just know, right, from this, the looks that you're getting here in North Carolina, especially Charlotte, Actually, Charlotte's pretty good because Charlotte has probably the best martial arts overall in the state. But as far as looks, and I don't want to, I don't, I'm not that guy, right? I'm not the one to, you know, I love North Carolina, but this is the point of the podcast. This is the point of why I got into this. This is my passion, and this is why I was put on this earth. I know we have more potential, and Impa's already in the UFC. He's already doing big things. But you just need better people. We don't know everything here. That's why I traveled up to the Great White North, like, like November. Who the fuck goes to Montreal in the winter? But you need to. You need to go to other places and get looks because where I think Buckley's from New York, fuck, man, you could throw a, a stone and the number of martial mixed martial arts academies there are, are crazy. They're more in a square, more in a city block than there are in the whole city of Charlotte, right? The looks you can get there. You can be in one gym, go to another gym another day, and just constantly look and get different you know, sparring partners, get different views, and then start to see a bunch of things that maybe you've never seen before, that maybe some people hear, you know, you have a certain way of thinking, and then you have a certain way of thinking, um, and some people may not be able to be as creative in a certain area or whatever the case may be, and you may not see the... And so the point is you have to get out of your comfort zone until Charlotte... And luckily for us, we just adopted Chris Weidman as a guy coming in and giving us different looks 
and giving us looks of a championship UFC caliber quality of kind of things. But it's still not enough, man. It's still not enough. Travel. Go to other gyms. You, ha- you have to. It's the one sport where you don't have to stick with your team. And if people are not letting you go to other gyms, you got to cut those people out of your life. There's nothing wrong with learning from others. It's a martial art. There's so much creativity and so much... There's so many avenues and nuances to the sport and so many different cultures do it differently. So many, It's so dependent on the environment that the martial arts is cultivated. There are nuances in Brazilian jiu-jitsu that Brazilians do that in the United States get abandoned. It's either through lack of being able to explain it better, it's lack of the nuance being lost on some of the Americans because the Brazilians don't want to teach it and they can keep it into their back pocket and then use it for later. I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying that comes with martial arts. Uh, pretty sure the Ip Man movie, the most recent one, I think, like the Chinese that came to America were like, stop teaching martial arts or something like that. It's like you're teaching our ways and to Americans. Like, don't do that. Like, that they shouldn't be the ones learning. So there is that, there is shadiness in martial arts. Fuck, man, fight promotion is the definition of shady. If you're a fight promoter, you're shady. I'd love to be a fight promoter. I don't mind being a little shady. But, (laughs) would never be a fight promoter. Um, The point being, there's shadiness in fighting, and that's the shadiness in the world, right? You just gotta, it's not the only thing. So you have to leave your comfort zone and you have to go and you have to learn from others. Learn from others especially because they have no stake in whether or not you do well. I loved learning from Frost, right? Frost just teaches what Frost is learning at that time and knows and articulates it in a way. And it doesn't matter if I learn it, bring it back to North Carolina and teach others with it because it's inconsequential. He teaches it. It travels. More people learn about it. I'm definitely going to give him praise for it. And it just spreads knowledge. And everyone gets better. And better competition leads to better contenders, which leads to better prospects, which leads to better training partners, which leads to people coming into the gym for the first time already with a set idea and knowledge of the sport and allows them to evolve exponentially. And then you have the kids learning, right? If everyone just sucked and no one got better because no one wanted to like learn and get better, there would be no evolution. The reason why the sport's evolving is because it, everyone's learning very fast and very quickly. So as far as the KO heard around the world, you got to learn and bring this stuff back. Shout out to Derek Brunson, man, for going to Florida, aligning himself with Samford MMA. Because what does he do? He brings these people back to North Carolina, and he teaches his team. He goes down there, learns some more, comes back, and teaches his team. It's just, it's a system that's stood the test of time. That's why martial arts academies and that idea of It Man is so popular. The world of It Man 1 is the world I want to live in. 
It's a neighborhood of martial arts academies, and they live in a fucking cul-de-sac, and they fight in the middle of it every day. And certain students are with one gym, certain students are with another gym, and they all just learn and fight and get better. But when you isolate yourself from the rest of the world and you just try to learn from the people around you and you don't allow yourself the open-mindedness, you're not going to see the things coming. They're going to get stuck into... You're going to get stuck into a, into a lane. And fighting is nothing more than programming people to do what you want. Because at the end of the day, everyone knows how to punch and kick hard. Everyone knows how to throw spinning shit when you're at that level. That level is about fucking up with a person's processor. It's about them. It's about getting them to process something in order to, for you to execute what you want to do. Giga Jacasey didn't land those leg kicks because he just threw hard and fast. He set them up. He got the guy to bait in order to throw it. Oh, I'm going to kick you. And he lifts his leg, and then he's like, oh, the kick's not there. He puts his leg back down, and then he kicks him. I'm just programming you. Jab, kick. Jab, kick. Jab, kick. Jab. Oh, he's going to throw a kick. I'm going to check. Overhand right. It's, it's pattern. Pa- pattern manipulation is the way you win fights. Misinformation. Shout out to Coach Sandro Fur up in TriStar. It's constant misinformation. The more you throw it at them, the more often you're going to knock them down with a jab. And the way you learn better misinformation... It's to spar with people and get your ability to, or not spar, but to learn from others. And learn other ways to apply misinformation. So shout out to Joaquin Buckley. Shout out to Impa. I know he's going to be back. I mean, he's an athlete through and through, competitor. He's just going to learn from this, come back, and get better. And if he doesn't, that would just be sad. All right, that's the prelims. Mm, mm, three limbs. Done. Boom, 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 boom. So we move on to the uh, main event. Yusuf Zalal losing to Ila Topria. Um, talk about Greco-Roman wrestling from the Georgian. He just held him down, did top pressure. It was beautiful. Body lock throws. Awesome. Tom Aspinall, KO in the first round. He wasn't too... Uh, he had a late-minute replacement. It, it wasn't his favorite performance i can understand why but late minute replacement what are you gonna do he moves on to nine and two dick 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 du plessis uh beats marcus perez in the first round uh, so first this guy is a south south african you know, MMA talented prospect, fifteen and two now. I mean, he was high praise going into this. I think late minute replacement, as far as I think as well. And finally gets signed. It's big news. He goes in there and he starts fighting. And I go, oh my god, this guy was fighting cans. He's he's. I just 
uh, he just had the the immediate nerves and he looked terrible. And then he started opening up. And they started gaining confidence. And then um, his leg kick started landing, and then it, it started to look nice. And I go, oh, shit, okay, there we go. And then it happened. He threw a right hand, and Marcus Perez leaned back. And as he leaned back to shoulder, to shoulder roll, the only way to go is now to your right. Yeah, because I think he was... I think, or left, whatever the case may be. I forget who's someone with softball, or maybe someone with switching stances. He leans back to shoulder roll, and as he leans back and dips down to the right, uh, Duplessis, Duplessis um, hits him with a shovel hook to the temple and flattens him. One of the most awkward knockouts I've ever seen, but damn, fucking damn, dude. I'm excited to see where he goes from here as a middleweight prospect. He's like, I want to be the first real African to be the champion of the world. And it's like, ooh, uh, (laughs) mm, that's not what people think when they say real African. You know what I mean? Like, you being South African, I get it, man. Yeah, but not really. Your people there, your people are there for a reason, you know? (laughs) But... Um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited because that knockout was crazy as far as awkward. It was awkwardly crazy. And now that he got the nerves done, I'm excited to see what he comes in full camp. You know, been in there before. And you can even see he was a little nervous because he was constantly looking at the camera and all that and playing to the charm of being in the, uh, being in the UFC. But... Good for him. Um, heavyweight. Marcin Tabura. He came in as the underdog. What the fuck did I tell you? He goes in there and he outstrikes Ben Rothwell. And they were putting on and they were putting on. I mean, Ben Rothwell threw 287 strikes. He missed and only scored 95. His striking percentage was 33% com- compared to Marcin Tabura's 56% total strikes. It was a wonderful performance by Marcin Tabura. He looked phenomenal. His his reaction time was there. He looked fast for a heavyweight. Um, even though he looked a, like a little heavy for like a little heavier than he normally does, he moved like he wasn't heavy. Good performance. Uh, you know, what's next for him? Uh, he beat Maxim Grishin. So he's 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 on a comeback tour, if you will. He's beat three people in a row. Come back to her. Ben Rothwell is a pretty big name, too. As far as being able to go to the decision and outpace him like that. I think that's the name of his game, to be honest, is just to outpace guys. Uh, featherweight, Edson Barbosa versus Makmohan Amirakani. Edson Barbosa getting a true decision win in this fight. He said it felt real good. He looked phenomenal. He kind of shut Makmohan down. He looked fast. He looked strong. He wants to be the champ at this weight. We'll see. I can't believe he's a featherweight. You know, he, I mean, he fought Paul Felder. Paul Felder would never be able to make, well, or featherweight. But he looks good. It's a good resurgence for him. Uh, I'm excited, I guess, to see what else he does. 
I forget who he was supposed to fight. Versus, no. Forget who he's supposed to fight. Mm. Oh, well. He's supposed to fight somebody, and it fell through, but... Oh, it was a good fight, though. It was a fucking good fight. Fuck. Anyway, congrats to Edson Barbosa. Excited to see who they put in front of him next. I think Yair Rodriguez versus Edson Barbosa would be a fire fight. I think that's... I know it doesn't make any sense, but somehow get there, I think that would be a great fight. Then you have Marlon Moraes versus Corey Sandhagen. What to say about this? Besides, I, I thought this fight was going to go two ways. A finish by Marlon in the very beginning, or Corey just taking him into deep waters and kind of winning by decision, or maybe a TKO. The fact that he went in there I mean, he he set up all those he set up all those reads in the very beginning of the fight, where in the second fight that spin kick, he already knew. He already knew he was gonna like he already knew Marlon was playing to his game, and that's what I was talking about being being program like programming people, being able to program people very well. Corey did a very good job in the very first round, getting his range finders off and being able to program Marlon in a way where he knew the spinning wheel kick. Like the body shots and all all these different things. It, you see Marlon, he goes to parry a body shot. That's why he got caught with the spinning heel kick. Just Corey was a little bit... He was just leading the dance. Corey was the one setting the pace and setting his traps and setting his... What he wanted to throw. He was setting his offense. Marlon was playing defense. He was trying to catch, he was trying to catch counter. But it... it it's hard because Corey just stayed on the outside. And wherever, whenever Corey hit him, he got out of the way. Marlon wanted to land those big leg kicks. Corey would land one of his own, get out of the way. He's very good. He played tall. He played tall very, very, very well, and that's what led to being to the KO. He kept it a striking match, and if you're tall and lankier, there's a higher percent chance that you're going to win against a shorter, stockier fighter. Unless the shorter, stockier fighter like has incredible inside movement, like Mike Tyson esque. So for Corey, what this really sets up is a fight, and he said it against T.J. Dillashaw, Dom. I mean, not Dominic Cruz, but T.J. Dillashaw or who was the other one? I think that fight against uh, Aljamain Sterling would be great. If Aljamain Sterling pe- beats Peter Petrion, Corey Sanhagen versus versus, uh, versus Aljamain Sterling too would be awesome. Especially because this will be like two fights later. He says. Frankie or. or TJ. That's fair. 
I like I like him in either of those fights, to be honest. I think uh, TJ's going to have a real hard time with him, being longer and lankier and having different footwork. It's not going to be Cruz footwork. And everyone, everyone, and that's where I think Marlon fucked up. And he's like, he's just like, he's got the footwork of Dominic Cruz. No, he doesn't. Like, Corey doesn't have the footwork of Dominic Cruz. He may take inspiration a little bit as far as footwork goes, but there's no system to it. It's not, or there is a, his own system, but there's no, like, there's no Dom Cruz system, right? He's not making money off of it. Like, there's nothing that he developed. It's just he fights tall and long, switches stances, and is very good at, and he has very high fight IQ. Some people just have a very high fight IQ. And now, does it make him have weird footwork? Yeah, sure. But it's not Dominic Cruz footwork. Dominic Cruz doesn't employ as many kicks and isn't very as Muay Thai with his striking. So I think him versus Dominic Cruz, people would see that as he chopped the fuck out of Dominic Cruz's legs. Um, but I also think a fight with TJ Dillashaw would do well because I think, I just think he, if he had trouble with Dom's height, and as long as Corey can get into TJ trying to get him to, you know, headhunt, he could do it. But, and then Frankie, I think he beats Frankie. Let's just, I think he KOs Frankie. All right. Well, that was this fight. Shout out to Corey Sanhagen. Um, any other news? Any other things before I call it a day? Um, on MMA or MMA Junkie. This Thursday, Cyborg fights in Bellator versus Bella Coney. So put your money on Cyborg, I guess. Um, Chandler's still down for Ferguson bout at 254. I'm down for that too. Let's see what else. The, the Bellator Paris event was was a success. Shout out to MVP for winning a decision. Mads Brunel. Uh, Tim. Timothy. Two fought Czech Congo. I just had it here. Timothy Johnson. So. Big, big you know, big moves in the MMA world as far as having the first major MMA event in France. It's big. That's a big deal as much as it's not for everyone because the UFC is not blasting it and advertising it as much, but it's a big deal. Um, Israel scoffs at potential fight with Chris Weidman. That fight will end in first round if it happens. I think so. Oh, Dan Hooker calls out Nate Diaz following recent compliments, 55 or 70. I think that's a great fight. But you know what fight I really love? I was thinking about this. And this is the thought I want to leave everyone with. Um... Yeah, I love that fight. Um, I love how he... It's because he loves strikers, but this is the fight. Think of this, everyone. Just 
let me leave you with this note. I was watching Conor McGregor versus Khabib yesterday. And the way Conor in the third round was able to at least get a round of striking with Khabib because his, his takedown started to get laboring. Because those first two rounds, those takedowns, they're regret- like he, he struggled for those against Conor. He got one that was hard. He got a couple that were pretty easier, that were pretty easy. But those first two rounds, that's a lot. And as Conor is not as great, like Conor's, as far as MMA, he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got a very good top game. But his bottom game is more just like trying to get up and trying to get out. I love the idea of Khabib versus Nate. Now, I know Nate's been beat by wrestlers before through just the pressure. But I think it's a mix of, like, leg kicking and pressure. What I love about the Nate Diaz fight is what I loved about the Poirier fight. Every time Khabib goes for one of those takedowns, it's not going to be just a ground pound session. It's going to be inv- it's going to involve a lot of submission defense. And constantly defending submissions is going to wear on you. And the more and more those rounds go on and just the constant submission defense and the durability of the Diaz brothers as long as he doesn't get cut and call the fight off, I think the boxing in the beginning going to the body, there's different things that Nate does very well that would give Khabib a lot of problems and I think being the taller fighter also gives him a little bit more gives him a little bit more uh now this is just me watching the Connor fight and then the Khabib fight and going oh. I could be totally wrong it could just be a smash fest it could be it could just potentially just be smash that could also be the thing but just bear with me think about it folks just let me leave you with this Nate versus Con or Nate versus Khabib it's a fantasy matchup. There will be there'll, no way it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not a big deal. I just want you guys to picture it. Picture the idea of a guy going for takedowns with the constant threat of a triangle guillotine of this world-class black belt and Nate. The boxing match between these two. The shit-talking. I think, I think it's a fight that, oh, man... As much as I love the Tony fight, make it the same. I just, there's something about the Nate fight that now that they've tried to make the Tony and Khabib fight like five times and almost destroy the world doing it, I don't mind having Nate Diaz, who's not like the elbow slicing crazy man of Tony Ferguson. But as far as like a cool fantasy matchup, like it's a, it's a pretty good like B slot choice. I love it. I love it. Think about it. Think about it, folks. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And next week, I'll or this Wednesday, I'll be back to break down this weekend's card. Um, and let me go over who's fighting on that. It is the Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega, a fight, like I said, in the works for a while. Brian's coming back off of his only, his only loss to Max Holloway two years ago. And Chan Sung Jung... I mean, the last time he won, or the last time, or when he fought, I saw this, when he fought Cub Swanson, Volkanovski was like 
top 10, or if not the 10th featherweight in the world. Now he's the champion. He beat Max twice. Like, it's a whole new, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world of featherweights, right? And then Chan Sung Jung's coming back from this resurgence. He's looking better than ever. I'll break it down on Wednesday, but man, KZ, KZ might be the guy. Uh, there's also a cool little fun matchup that you guys might not have seen, but Caitlin Chukagian versus Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade has knocked people out at 135. Flyweight might be her might be her stomping ground, so we'll see. Um, that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. You can go for you can go to sunscrapnation.com for everything else. I've been your host, Daniel Jonas, back in a big way. And until next time, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Sunscrap Nation, sunscrapnation.com iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, all your listening apps, podcast app, wherever you can find this podcast, it's there. But the best place, SuddenScrapNation.com. And until next time, stay safe, enjoy your week, peace.